Welcome. Hear, my people, what your God has to say to you. I am your God who brings you to freedom and deep rest. You are welcome here. You are in the right place. In the bodies and spirits of each one here, God has given us enough for today. This welcome is a gift freely given that already lives in you, that will hold you tight and never let you fall. Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. I'm Allison Casella Brookins. We have Rachel bringing us the meditation today, and we have Steve and Aaron on tech, and Connie on the piano, and Stevers also leading music. So let's welcome each other. So stand, and we'll make a circle, including the podium, cutting across the chairs. And we're going to pass the microphone around and everybody say their name in the circle so that the Zoomers can see who's here, can hear who's here. I need to turn it on. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. All right, it's on. All right, we're going to pass this around. Just say your name into the microphone. This is Allison. David. Rachel, Connie, Micah, Levi, Matthew, Soraya, Lisa, Chris, Adam, Lauren, Steve, John, Rachel, Lori, Steve, Mark. And now we have Dan online and looks like Sarah McDonald and Dominic and Juanita. Juanita. It just says J-U on the screen. That's why I didn't know. Welcome all of the Zoomers. And Rebecca. And Rebecca. Oh, who just came in. There's Rebecca. Yep. All right. Could you guys come forward so I can speak into the mic and still be in the circle? Great. All right. Let's sing our welcome song. This should be familiar by now, so join in if you know it. And then sometime in the middle, I'll break us in half with Lisa on one side and green shirt on the other. Chris, thank you, sorry. I've seen you every week, but. <laughs> and we'll split in half and sing it as a round. So, always goes best. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the Spirit, she is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Welcome to the arms of, welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the Spirit, she is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Now gather up some peace. Make a little peace ball. 
pick someone across the circle, and throw it. Lisa, peace be with you. And another one. Aaron. Micah. Ready? Ready? And let's all take our seats. Thank you. Our first hymn is Voices Together 530 in the heartbeat of the city. Number 530. And if you don't know this, uh, Connie will play it through once and just come in then once you've picked up the tune. Perfect, the lasting, the gracious healing. Let's share what we are grateful for this week. Anything small or large that has come into your life or that has been in your life that you've only now noticed. What do you have that you want to share? You can say it out loud and I will repeat it into the mic. Our church family. Conversations with relatives. I'm grateful for my lilacs out front of my house. College students that come home. College graduates who move on their own. And if any Zoomers want to write anything into the chat, is there one? You say, speak it out, I'll repeat it into the mic. Grateful for opportunities and experiences in London. And grateful for technology. What time is it even in London right now? It's like 5 a.m.? 
Oh, 10 p.m. Oh, okay, never mind. That's normal. I'm grateful for laughter in a sacred space. Mm, feeling healthy again. Grateful for celebrations. Ooh, garlic bread. Mm -hmm. Olive Garden after this, anybody? Thankful for Allison's leading Easter season. Thankful for my leading during this season. Thank you. Thank you for this day, Spirit. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day, Spirit. Thank you for this day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. Friends, thank you for these friends, Spirit. Thank you for these friends. Thank you for these friends, Spirit. Thank you for these friends. This healing, this healing, this healing, friends. These healing, these healing, these healing, friends. This time. Thank you for this time, Spirit. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this time, Spirit. Thank you for this time. This healing, this healing, this healing time. This healing, this healing, this healing time. We are a practicing people. Practicing being honest, naming and owning the places where we are grateful and the places where we are maybe not doing our best. We do this because by naming our failures and our lackings, we come to see more clearly what is going on and ask for help where we need it. Until our eyes are opened, we cannot begin to do better. We'll sing, be right here to gather in this place. Mm -hmm. Here, right here, be Join me in confession. God, you know us. You don't need us to tell you that we are not perfect. You already know the ways we have moved further away from the life you gave us to live. In this moment, help us be present to these parts of our lives with honesty. 
Let us lay down our shame and name before you the places where we need your help on this difficult journey of life. In silence, we bring before you what is weighing on our hearts. Dear practicing people, hear these words of grace. I am your God who brings you true freedom and peace. I say, you are forgiven. This grace is a gift freely given that already lives in you, that will hold you tight and never let you go. Thanks be to God. Next, we have our scripture for the day, at least I think that's what's next. <laughs> um, I'll read a little bit of context and then you can come up and read it. Uh, our first is our story from Exodus, which will start right after last week's text, where Jethro gives the advice to Moses about leadership delegation. And at this point, it's been exactly three months since they left Egypt, so they arrive at Mount Sinai. We'll hear excerpts from two chapters of Exodus, and the part we skip over is all, all the many details about the way the people consecrate themselves before receiving the law. You can read it in your own time. And then for our gospel, we're back to John, and this story happens sometime after Jesus' appearance to Thomas, which we read a few weeks ago. So Jesus has, it seems, been away again for a little while, um, and leaving the disciples alone, and some of them have relocated over to Galilee, and they decide to go fishing one morning, because they're fishermen, but they have no luck. And then Jesus appears on the shore, but they don't recognize him, which is something of a theme, and he shouts some fishing advice on them, at them, and they pull in this massive catch of, very specifically, 153 fish. Despite the load, the net does not break, once they're back on shore, Jesus is there cooking fish over a fire. They're still not sure it's him, but they think it is him, and he hands them some fish and some bread and says, come and have breakfast. And then after all of that is the story for today. So let's have the scripture read, and then we'll have an open mic time of just what do you notice, what jumps out at you. So now. On the third new moon, after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt. On that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain 
Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice, and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine. But you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one. Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and so trust you ever after. This is Exodus 20, which is the first rendition of the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments. Uh, then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female, female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female or slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. John chapter 21 verses 15 through 25. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him for the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. 
You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. But there are also so many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Thank you all. What do you notice? Doesn't have to be anything profound. Just what came to you, stuck out to you. Weird math with three generations of anger and a thousand of blessing. I noticed the Jesus in the second, first time saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? And I'm, who, who are the these? Anyone on Zoom, you can write in the chat also. Weird that after everything they've gone through, God still thinks that Moses needs to be seen talking to God in the cloud for the people to trust him. Let's sing our next song, Voices Together 344, Seeking Warmth from Charcoal Blazing. This is new words, but a familiar tune, I believe. Questions asked and answers given, time 
whose face is warmed by flame, bitter night of love's denial, with the dawn redemption came. We still hear these ancient voices and the Micah, you want to come up for children's time? You don't have to. This is an invitation. But when I write children's times now, I think about you. And so this children's time was meant specifically for you. So I'm glad you're here today. <laughs> um, I was wondering, just to sort of start us off, and this question is for the grown-ups too. Have you ever had somebody try to convince you that something was true that you knew was not true? Yeah, me too. Um, and we talk sometimes about that at church. We talk about the world trying to convince us of things that aren't true. Sometimes it's with like advertisements, like ads that want us to feel like we need their products to have super beautiful fluffy hair or, you know, a new car or the right clothes to wear. They try to make us feel like we're missing something because we don't have their stuff. Well, when I was a kid, I really loved watching infomercials. And, and those aren't on very much anymore. Do you know what I mean when I say an infomercial? It's basically like a half-hour TV show that's advertising one specific product. And you often find them now late at night. Um, but kids who grew up in the 80s, those were on like regular hours too. So in the 80s, when I was a kid, I saw a sandwich maker on an infomercial. And it was a sandwich maker that like you put a slice of bread in and then you put the filling in and then you put another slice of bread and you squash it down and it toasted it and made it into like two little triangle toasted warm gooey sandwiches. And I thought there is nothing in the world that I want as much as the sandwich maker. Now you can go to Target now and you can buy these sandwich makers and they cost about 15 bucks. But guess how much it was on the infomercial? What do you think? 30 bucks? It was $100. And I wanted it so badly. And I asked my mom, can, I, can we please get the sandwich maker? And what do you think she said? Surprisingly, she said yes. But she said, you have to pay for shipping because it was $100 plus shipping and you have to send it back before the 30-day guarantee is up because you could send it back which is a very, you know, Mennonite mom sort of thing to say, I think. So I was very excited. So I used my, I used my um, allowance money to pay the shipping on the sandwich maker and I got it and it worked exactly like it said it would. It made amazing toasted warm triangle sandwiches and I used it every day for about a week. And then I was like, I don't want to eat any more toasted triangle sandwiches because it's boring, right? Like you can only eat so many things inside two slices of bread that's toasty. So we packed it up and I sent it back. And I actually was kind of mad at myself that I had to spend my money for the shipping. So that company, that infomercial convinced me of something that wasn't true, right? 
They convinced me that I needed toasted triangle sandwiches. And once I had them, I found out that they weren't as great as I thought they were going to be. And that happens to all of us. It happens to kids. It happens to grown-ups. Advertising companies, other people, sometimes are going to try and convince us of something that's not true. And that gets confusing. It gets confusing for all of us. So that's why I have people in my life that I go to and I ask, is this true? What do you think about this? That's why I come to church, because there are people here who want to help me figure out when something isn't true and to keep listening to and following Jesus. And Jesus is sort of the ultimate for helping to figure out what things are true, right? Because I can ask, is this thing that somebody's trying to convince me is true, is this thing helping me to follow Jesus? So here's what I hope that you learn at church. Here's what I hope that you know is true all of the time, forever and ever and ever. I hope you, and you Micah, and you all the grown-ups out there too, I hope you know that Jesus loves you exactly the way you are. I hope you know that this congregation loves you just exactly the way you are. Grown-ups need to be told this over and over and over and over again. So we tell kids this over and over and over again because we want it to stick way down deep inside where nobody can ever make you question it. Jesus loves you, we love you, and we're really glad that you're here. Thanks. Our gospel story today starts around a charcoal fire with the risen Lord, the Son of God, making breakfast. I mean, what a story in contrasts. I kind of love this as the tacked-on ending to John's Gospel. The Easter story is such a wild ride. So many indescribable and incredible things happening just packed into those verses. And ending with Jesus being raised from the dead and appearing in a locked and a secured room all of a sudden. Wham! But this appearance is quieter, sort of more everyday. Jesus shows up on the shore, starts a fire for the weary fishermen, and makes breakfast. At the start of a new day, Jesus gathers the disciples around him and feeds them yet again. We heard about this story in the beginning of this story a few weeks ago, but here we have the continuation. After the huge haul of fish, they sit down together to eat, except this time it's cooked by the risen Lord. As they finish breakfast, Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And to understand a little bit about why Jesus does this, we have to remember back in the story before the crucifixion and death of Jesus, back to John 13, where Jesus predicts that Peter will deny knowing Jesus. Peter, of course, protests that he'd never do something like that, but just a few verses later, after Jesus' arrest, as Peter is huddled around another charcoal fire, Peter does exactly as Jesus had predicted he would. People ask Peter, you're also one of his disciples. Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Three times he's asked who he is. Three times he says, no, no, I wasn't a follower of Jesus. No, I didn't hang out with him in the garden as he was arrested. No, I don't know him. And then the rooster crowed, and Peter realized what he had done. I've said before in sermons that Peter is one of my favorite disciples. I see myself so much in him. 
He's so gung-ho and certain. He wants to follow Jesus with his whole heart. He asks Jesus not only to wash his feet, but his head and his body too. He wants to jump all the way into the work of discipleship. But then he screws it up again and again and again. He says the wrong thing or he misses the point completely. And here it's happened again. He's denied his own place in Jesus' community and he only realizes it when the rooster crows. Because in denying his place by Jesus' side, Peter is denying himself. He's denying who, he's tr- who he truly is and who he knows himself to be. And this is my story, too. This is the human story. We're always doing this, aren't we? Each of us has presented ourselves as someone we're not. Sometimes we do it in small ways, just by not revealing a little part of who we are. Sometimes we tell lies or falsify who we are. Sometimes we don't share our gifts or our joyful desires. It's understandable. We're broken people living in a broken world. And sometimes we need to protect ourselves, to build shells around that soft, gentle center to keep our hearts tender. We worry that people will judge us. We know they've treated us poorly in the past, so we may be slow to open up or show who we truly are. We might feel like imposters or that everyone else has it all together, so we have to fake it until we make it. This is who we are as humans. All of us have that tender core, and we all have some sort of barrier up around it. But everyone wants to be seen for who we truly are, seen and accepted, seen and loved, seen and made to feel that we belong, that we are a part of this community. I hope you have people in your life who know that, know that little you in that true inner part of you and love you. But I'm not sure that Peter had someone like that. I think that the, Peter, the person who knew Peter well, who knew his innermost beliefs and hopes and worries, I think that person died on the cross. And Peter saw him alive again, but he wasn't the same. And I think Peter was horribly worried and confused. So he went back to what he knew, fishing, what he'd grown up doing. He left and he went home to fish while he was trying to figure out what he was gonna do next. And the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus met him there. In Peter's desperation to leave, to do something that he knew well, Jesus was suddenly there on the beach announcing a phenomenal catch of fish, cooking breakfast over a fire after a long night of work. Jesus met Peter in his fear, he met Peter at his most vulnerable, and Jesus called Peter back to him. In the children's time today, I talked about how the world distorts our truths. But Jesus refocuses us. Jesus centers us on what is true. And this is exactly what Jesus does for Peter in this story. From the beginning of the Gospels until the very end, Jesus believed in Peter more than Peter believed in himself. Three times, Peter denied knowing Jesus. And three times, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Now, some scholars I read think that this is Jesus forgiving Peter, but I don't agree with that. Peter didn't deny Jesus or his teachings. Peter denied being a disciple. Peter's denials were about himself. He was just denying who he was. And Jesus didn't need to forgive him for that. 
Jesus just called him again. Jesus drew him back in, invited him again into the community of Christ. Again, Jesus says, Peter, I know you. You're important. In the invitation, Jesus also gives Peter his purpose, the work that Peter was to do for the rest of his life. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Jesus says, feed my lambs. And I don't know what Peter was thinking in this moment. I have to believe that he felt a little ashamed, knowing what had come before. Did he believe truly that Jesus had important work for him to do that couldn't be done by anybody else? Or was that still hard for him to consider? Have you ever been told you're doing a wonderful job or you're the right person for this work and not truly believed it or thought, well, but if they only knew this thing about me, they might not think I was so great. Me too. And I'm sure Peter, this well-meaning but sometimes bumbling fisherman, was also wondering if Jesus really knew what he was talking about. Can a fisherman be called to tend people? Wouldn't he just say something wrong? But we know that Peter listened to Jesus and that he spent the rest of his life following what Jesus asked him to do. He listened to the call and he followed, even if he wasn't very sure at the time. Jesus calls Peter back into belonging and Jesus gives Peter his life's work and purpose. How is Jesus calling us to our belonging? How is Jesus calling us to our purpose? Because just like he believed in Peter, Jesus believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. Friends, Jesus knows us. Jesus knows the very deepest parts of us, our insecurities and our deepest shames and our quietest whispers of fear. Jesus knows the lies that we tell ourselves about who we are. Jesus knows how far away we have gotten from those deep down truths. Jesus knows us. And he doesn't just tolerate us. He doesn't just sigh and say, well, I guess you can come along. No. Jesus delights in us. Jesus thinks we're adorable. We're hilarious. We're wonderful. We're beautiful. We're unique. We might screw up sometimes. And Jesus will always be there to welcome us back, to call us back into belonging, and to remind us of our unique purpose in this world because God is abundant. Jesus is abundant. Grace is spilling forth all the time for each one of us. The story of Jesus' resurrection is that of abundant grace and abundant purpose and abundant belonging. When the sadness is the deepest, in those hours of the night when you believe that morning will never come, when you drop your metaphorical net into the ocean again and again coming up empty, these are the very moments in which Jesus desires to give you his abundant grace and love. This is the resurrection story that we need, all of us. You belong in this family of God. You, just as you are, who you are deep down inside. You, the very inner you that may have been denied or judged or unloved, you belong. Jesus is calling you again and again and again calling you to sit on the shore, warm up by the charcoal fire, and have breakfast prepared by your Savior. He's made the meal. Sit down and eat. 
Let's bring all of these things, spoken and unspoken, before God. Surprising God for the places this past week that we have been absolutely sure of your presence, awash in the wonder of your grace and love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For the places we have felt bereft, utterly alone, perhaps seeking but not finding you, perhaps so devoid of hope we stopped looking for you. Help us. Help us. Help us. Surprising God, give us vision to see where you are and who we might become. Amen. We have a special prayer of blessing for our delegates who are going to be heading to MCUSA special delegate session somewhere in the world. It is in Kansas City. Uh, Lisa will be leading that, so take it away, Lisa. As many of you know, this week, Rachel Stolpe will be traveling to Kansas City. She'll be representing our congregation at the Mennonite USA Special Delegate Assembly beginning this Friday. And along with Rachel will be Dan A. Scott, who will be attending as our youth delegate. And Sam Stolpe will be attending as Central District Conference's youth delegate. Many of you participated as we as a community took time to look at the resolutions that will be considered at the converse, will be considered, and we had conversations and, and gave Rachel feedback so that she could go there knowing our intentions. So most of us know the significance and importance of this event, and we would like to invite Rachel to come up front so that we can bless her in her work in this gift that she and Dan and Sam will be giving our church family in representing us in this important occasion. <clears throat> I'm not going to touch Rachel, but I'm going to pray for her along and so join me um, and feel free to, to you know, direct your, your, pray, your prayers and, and intentions toward Rachel. And Dan and Sam, Sam is uh, on the right there and Dan all the way from London. It's great to be virtual. Um, so let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for the many connections we have with the broader church. Connections that support our work. Connections that challenge and inform our ways of thinking and doing. And connections that inspire and encourage what we do and who we are. We recognize that such connections and com commitments with, with those connections and commitments come responsibility. 
to participate, to consider other ideas and viewpoints, to listen lovingly, to share honestly, to be open to the mo movement of the Holy Spirit. It is with this thanks and this recognition that we bless Rachel, Sam, and Dan for their work this coming week. May they remember the many conversations and emails and texts and times that we have shared our thoughts and concerns with them. May they engage with their fellow delegates in dialogue with empathy and authenticity. May they be emboldened to speak out on our behalf, to share our love, our sentiments, our concerns, our frustrations, our hopes and our intentions. Most importantly, may Rachel, Dan, and Sam feel your spirit at work. May they feel open to its presence and action. May they feel your peace in the midst of unease. May they feel your love during hard moments. May they feel your grace as they process what has been said and done. May these meetings be blessed. May all who attend be blessed as in the work that they do. And may we, who, who watch and listen from afar, also be blessed with your grace and peace. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, Rachel. Peter A. Scott drafted this too, so many thanks to him. Let's move into a circle to say goodbye to each other. Then let's send each other out into our week with our sending song, Get Up and Go. Mm, this should be familiar by now, but the, there's the chorus and then the verses. You just repeat the, the last line of the verse. You'll get it. Mm, you gotta get up and go. Out of this place, get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go. Out of this place, get up, go out and live. Your God came that you might have life. Get up, go out and live. So full of light that you just can't hide. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go. Out of this place, get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go. Out of this place, get up, go out and live. Won't be easy, you're gonna be scared. Get up, go out and live. But look around, there is hope out there. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go. Out of this place, get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go. Out of this place, get up, go out and live. Take a step and raise your voice. Get up, go out and live. Don't have to be perfect to sing and rejoice. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go. Out of this place, get up, go out and live. 
You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. Get up, go out and live. People of God, get up and go. Feed and be fed. Maybe so.